GoneMobile.io. It's Gone Mobile. Welcome back for another episode of Gone Mobile. How you doing today, John? I'm good. The weather's sunny. It's a little bit windy, but it seems like some pool weather. You get pool weather up in Canada? Yeah, yeah. At least two weeks out of the year. It's uh, legislated. I just assumed it's all polar bears and stuff up there. But that that's cool. That's well, they, cool. They like it when it's colder. Yeah, they like the pool <laughs> when it's colder in the winter. Fair enough. Um, so, looking back on on our previous shows today, we realized that it's been a long time. Like we've we've discussed Xamarin forms a lot in passing, and as part of kind of you know in tandem with a lot of other topics. But it's been a long, almost two years, I think, since we've had a dedicated Xamarin forms episode. So, you know it. We figured it, we were way overdue for for getting back into things, um, and and I understand that you're building uh, a Xamarin Forms app for yourself right now. Is that right, John? Yeah. So speaking of pools, um, I, I put in a pool last year, and and there were just no good apps out there to help manage the chemical tracking and all the calculations and everything. So I decided, what better way to get an app that I wanted to use than to build one myself? And you know, it's the, kind of a challenge to myself too with. Um, being, you know, using our own products uh, that we build. I mean, if, for those of you who don't know, I, I help uh, on one of the teams with uh, Xamarin. And so I, I think one of our problems is not too many of us build our own apps. So this was a good opportunity to get out there, build my own app, and give Xamarin Forms uh, a good run for its money again. And I have to say, it's worked out pretty amazingly well. Like, I wouldn't be nearly as far into this as I, I am right now if it wasn't for Xamarin Forms. So it's uh, great to be talking about it with David today. Nice. Is this app out in the the stores, or is it just a private thing for you now? Yeah, so it's uh, it's in the stores. It's called Pool Math uh, by Trouble Free Pool. So I teamed up with one of the the best. Uh, they're kind of a nonprofit for helping peel, people uh, deal with their pools, and so we've teamed up together. They're kind of helping with the marketing, and I'm building the app. And we've got we've got a number of people on it already. So it's it's doing well. It's on on Android and iOS right now, and uh, with the help of forms, eventually we'll we'll bring it to Windows as well. And maybe even yeah. more platforms. We'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, like, why don't we'll use that as a jumping off point and introduce David. Uh, so, so joining us today, we've got David Ort now, who's a longtime Xamarin, you know, community member, uh, way overdue for for a guest spot on this show in some capacity or another. Um, and now you're actually the the PM on the Xamarin Forms team. Uh, welcome to the show. And, and how's that been going over at Xamarin now? Ah, thanks for having me. So uh, it has been a lot of fun. It's uh, been an awesome challenge. And uh, I'm glad that you guys finally got me on the show. I mean, I've obviously been nagging you for a long time. It's like, why don't, why don't you talk to me? Why don't you guys ever talk to me? No, I'm kidding. Um, but uh, I'm glad to be here and certainly excited to always talk about Xamarin Forms. Um, yeah, so I joined in January. Um, started doing the role in January and became a full-time employee shortly after that. Um, but I, after 10 years of running my own businesses and working primarily for creative uh, firms, doing more of those kinds of apps, more consumer-facing apps, um, and, and more visually demanding apps, you know, um, it was an interesting opportunity to join Xamarin Forms, which traditionally has been a platform geared more towards line of business applications, enterprise applications, um, things that, you know, the name kind of says it, right? Xamarin Forms, you're, building, <laughs> you're prototyping and building Forms apps. But uh, it's, it's a fantastic challenge because it's been such a popular platform that everybody's trying to do everything with it. And, uh, and so we're trying to meet that demand. And uh, I think that we're, we're going a long way towards doing that. And um, yeah, so 
I could, I could, I could, I could just, you know, go on and on and on and drone on and on and on. But uh, it has been a fantastic experience. Love working with the people at Microsoft. I never thought I would go back to work for a company again, quite honestly. <laughs> um, but uh, the opportunity was right, uh, and and the challenge was exciting enough that I was like, okay, let's do this. Everybody's super smart very kind people to work with. Um, I've been super impressed with just the quality uh, of the people uh, and the organization at large. It's been awesome. And it seems like year after year, the the pool of us who are, you know, old school community members on this stuff mm-hmm. that haven't joined Microsoft slash Xamarin just gets smaller and smaller. One of <laughs> us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, it's, it's funny. Um, over the years, I thought, huh, you know, it would be interesting to join Xamarin, of course, before they joined, became part of Microsoft. And then once they became part of Microsoft, I was like, oh, no, it's never going to happen now. Because <laughs> uh, I, you know, I've been a software developer for 20 plus years and uh, started out doing VBScript and ASP and uh, Access and SQL and and then had a, a journey into more of the open source and the creative stuff with Ruby on Rails, uh, Adobe, Flash and Flex. If anybody's ever heard me speak, I almost always drop that into one of my presentations just just to hear the silence. You know, just to hear just to hear everybody be like, "What in the world is going on?" Um uh, yeah, so I, I always kind of thought, you know, maybe it would happen, maybe it wouldn't happen, but uh, it does seem it does seem like, you know, we certainly love to pull from uh, our community and people that are already enthusiastic about what we're doing, and we certainly know who they are, and which is kind of a, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and plug this that you know, Zam Reforms team is hiring. <laughs> so uh, if anybody's interested, go up to the Microsoft Jobs website, look for it, and uh, and send us your app. Uh, we, we'd love to to meet meet more people and certainly talk to more people. We've we've started doing some interviewing, but um, it's a longer process. Uh, of course, Microsoft wants to you know vet uh, as many candidates as we can. So um, always eager to bring in people from the community, people that are already enthusiastic about what we're doing, because that's just it. Get, it gets you going. This episode is sponsored by Raygun. Discover, diagnose, and understand the root cause of error, crash, and performance issues in your apps in seconds. See how your apps are really performing and where they encounter problems with Raygun's incredible full-stack software intelligence platform. Raygun works with all major programming languages and platforms, including iOS, Android, and Xamarin, giving you full visibility over every issue affecting your users. I use Raygun in all of my own apps and highly recommend you give it a try. It only takes a few minutes and you're up and running in your app. Sign up for a free trial today over at raygun.com and make sure to thank them for sponsoring Gone Mobile. So speaking of the community, you know, one of the the really cool things over the last couple of years has been, you know, the open sourcing of Xamarin and Xamarin forms and all these things. So so I'd be curious to hear from your perspective um, and from your team at Microsoft's perspective, how has that been in terms of Xamarin forms? Has the community been engaged and contributing? How's that been going? So the community has been engaged in contributing. Um, now, my perspective is slightly different than perhaps longer, uh, longer time Xamarin people who who were doing Xamarin forms or doing Xamarin platform things before it was open sourced. Um, because uh, coming on in January, it had already been open source for at that point eight months or so. Um, but I, you know, I still see that transition for internally in terms of how are we communicating, what the processes are, what our expectations are uh, in terms of when you submit a PR, what are we expecting from you? Um, uh, UI test coverage, unit testing coverage, um, what what the standards are for code and things like that. Um, but even in the lack of that communication being as good as it hopefully will be, and actually I'm currently working on a uh, a blog post and a wiki post. Uh, for what we expect from PRs and things like that. Even in the absence of that, 
people are contributing. And uh, I think I just counted, and this is team members as well as uh, community members, but just over the past two weeks, some 40 PRs that were merged, uh, which uh, is indicative of the pace that we have going right now, which is fantastic. Um, it's not always that same pace, but um, we're certainly seeing a lot of PRs from community members. Uh, people aren't shy to submit PRs. People are never shy to submit ideas. <laughs> um, but it's been really good. Um, it seems to be well-received, and I'm hopeful that by providing some more clear guidance on our expectations and on what the process is, that I'll, that'll encourage even more people uh, to contribute to what we're doing. Because uh, you know we, we are a slightly small team, I guess, uh, internally at Microsoft, um, compared to perhaps you know the WPF, the UWP teams, and things like that. But uh, uh, being open source is, is only to our advantage. Sometimes we'll, we'll get out there and we'll say, hey, if you want something done, do it yourself, which can kind of sound like, hey, we're not going to do the work because we don't, we don't want to, which is not the case at all. It's simply, you know, we've got to juggle priorities. And uh, if something is important to you and it can be done in the right way, we'll support you in that and submit the PR. I think the interesting thing with the forms team too, especially compared to, to, you know, the team I'm on and to looking at some of the other activity and other open source repos, like you guys are probably the most, um, popular in terms of community engagement. So, you know, that, that adds more work, I think to you guys too, but you know, I, I think that's probably ultimately a really good thing for the the library going forward. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm glad to hear you say that. I don't uh, I haven't paid too much attention to the other projects we have. Obviously, there's more that's open source. Um, uh, you know, maybe maybe we need to have a leaderboard or something like that. Uh, yeah, to, 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 gamify you know, it somehow. Yeah, g- gamify it to make the other teams uh, more um, jealous of the. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, that's interesting. Actually, I just submitted my first PR. Yeah, code PR. I've, I've, I've submitted other You're stuff. You're still allowed just, to code? Uh, you know, that's, it's, <laughs> it's fun. Um, nobody says I have to, and nobody yet has told me I can't. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was nice. It was something that it was, a, um, a bug that came up or something for uh selection background, uh, color on iOS. That's always just a, a pain in the neck. Right. <laughs> um, and so you, 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 you do a custom renderer, you specify your background selection mode, you know, you want it to be none. You don't want that gray background that iOS always puts on there and it wasn't coming through. And it's because of the way that our renderers and our context actions have to be wrapped. Um, because you can't just directly declare a context action. You got to wrap that cell in something else. And so it wasn't being proxied up. So anyway, uh, I was, I was able to get Jason to show me where to put the code. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that so, makes more sense. Now. <laughs> it's so helpful. You know, well, you know, I've got access to them. And so I'm able to be like, dude, let's do this. And I'll know that my PR will get accepted. <laughs> Hopefully we'll see. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so speaking of, you know, the, the code in the current state, you know, can you just go over a little bit where we are with Xamarin forms right now? Like, I think we're at, uh, what stable release 2.3.4 as of this recording. Yeah. Um, what, what's kind of new now and what's kind of coming out relatively short term. So yeah, 2.3.4 is the current release, current stable release. Uh, we've been in pre-release for 2.3.5, which, uh, the primary, uh, the big, the big deliverables in that is the Mac OS preview, which it is still in a preview state. It's there to be used. Um, and I actually have seen some customers have sent me screenshots of what they've been able to do with Mac OS. And it's really been impressive. Um, my samples pale in comparison. If you've seen any of my Mac OS samples, probably the weather app, which s- seems to be 
be one that is my go-to, which unfortunately is just not the prettiest thing in the world. Um, it pales in comparison to what some customers have been able to do, uh, which is amazing. And it's still in preview. So, you know, it's it's mostly, hey, here's what Xamarin Forms looks like on macOS. So it's missing some of the desktop uh, support that you would normally expect, which would be like menus and uh, perhaps some of the different uh, hover states and things like that that are just, they're foreign to, to mobile, um, which you, you know, makes sense when you really step back and think about it. But uh, we really want feedback on that stuff so that we can push it forward. Um, so the other uh, big things that are in the 2.3.5 pre-release would be fast renderers for labels, images, and buttons. Um, those are the first three controls that we did fast renderers for, and I'll, I'll kind of explain what that is real quick. Um, so when Xamarin Forms was first uh, conceptualized and built, um, there was a level of wrapping and inheritance that happened just at the renderer level to uh, have common APIs for convenience. And so from a coding standpoint, it made a ton of sense. And because it was a quick prototyping platform, uh, it was not really a performance was it was a second consideration. So now that performance is our, our one of our main priorities, performance and quality being kind of the, the, the one two punch, um, we are basically flattening those renderers and saying, okay, let's directly inherit or get as close as we can to those native controls uh, for the custom renderers. Um, so if you look at uh, just the whole renderer concept, right, you've got a forms element that is your abstraction of what that is going to be. And then it's realized on each platform, iOS, Android, UWP, Mac OS, and then other backends that we're building. It's realized with a platform renderer, um, which basically says, hey, if it's a label on iOS, the renderer is going to give you a UI label. Um, on Android, it's going to be a text view or a text whatever. Um, same thing on UWP. And so with fast renderers, rather than getting two UI elements on your UI tree for Android, you're now just getting one. So these are being done for, for iOS, Android, and UWP where it makes sense. But Android is our number one priority because it's the one that just, you know, the way Android works. Um, it, it's it, inflation for views and rendering for views is a, is a laborious process. iOS has kind of uh, got it down and, and we really can't do much wrong there. Um, so Android is where it needs the most work. That's where we've been doing that. And then we've also been working hard on startup time improvements. Um, again, Android being the, the big focus there, because when you launch that app and you want that thing to be present instantly, um, you, you don't want it to look like it's sweating just to get something on the screen. So, uh, we've made some improvements there. We have more that will be done in our 3.0, which is the next major release, uh, which I don't know if you guys want to get deep into that right now, but I'll kind of finish, uh, talking about just what we're doing right now. So, uh, this is the 2.3.5 pre-release. Um, we just did a pre-5 and a pre-6 over the past week. So we did it rapidly like that because there was one known issue with uh, data triggers that was happening on release mode UWP, if I remember off the top of my head. And uh, we wanted to be able to get that fix out quickly. So we have QA uh, internally now reviewing this build. And as soon as they give us the sign, uh, the high sign, and as soon as the, the community doesn't give us, oh, <laughs> uh, you broke everything sign, um, then we'll, we'll know that we're in a pretty good state and that will become our new stable. Now we've still got, I think that build right there, I'll give you a summary. It has some 140 bug fixes in there. 
And so not a ton of feature work, really. And that's kind of been the trend for us since build and really before build. We've got some pre-releases, uh, some things like Xamarin Forms Embedding, uh, the Mac OS stuff. We've got a Flex layout uh, that we've been cooking. Uh, we've got some styling stuff that we've been cooking on. Um, but that stuff uh, really has kind of been back burner to let's, let's get the quality right. Let's get the performance right and make sure that we have the foundation taken care of. And that'll launch us into the next phase, which would be our 3.0 third quarter stuff. So in terms of what you were just talking about of, you know, a lot of focus being put on performance and little bug fixes and kind of tidying things up. Um, is that, uh, does that account for a lot of the, uh, the feedback that you find that you get from the community and, and customers of the types of things that they prioritized? Absolutely. So I've been talking heavily to customers. And that was when I first started in January, I probably spent all of January on the phone with customers saying, you know, what are you doing? What are you building? Show me what you're building. And then give me your feedback. What's going well for you? What's not going well for you? And uh, pretty unanimously, uh, the feedback was Android performance has to get faster, uh, both from a startup standpoint and just from a responsiveness standpoint. Um, so yeah, I think it's pretty fair to say that wasn't necessarily um, a surprise uh, to the team. They knew that. But having that feedback, having the feedback from the customers, and Microsoft's really big on this. They want to have customer data-driven feedback so that they can make their decisions based on that. So it's not just a gut reaction to what we think is important. And it can be backed up by something substantial. And I think that's good. Um, I think that you can balance that always with the visionary aspect of this is where we need to go. And I think that traditionally Xamarin has been that way, uh, has been the more visionary startup, you know, which is what they were, that, hey, we're going to do some pretty radical things and really shake some things up. Um, whereas Microsoft, large company, stayed company, very stable, um, is more of the, hey, we, we can take our time. We can make really good measured decisions. So absolutely, this is the feedback from the, from the community. This is certainly what we've been seeing. And, uh, but we're not, you know, not taking everything at face value. We're measuring things and we're saying, okay, well, what is our startup time across different devices? We actually put together, a, uh, and we're, we're doing more of this. We're putting together automated uh, CI integration with our UI test suites to basically say, okay, commit by commit, are we seeing, you know, degrade, you know, is performance getting worse or is it getting better? Um, so that uh, we can early identify when we have issues. Um, and we had, you know, we had some things that kind of popped up with uh, around build time where uh, some mono and some uh, Android changes were made that surfaced in relative layouts in Xamarin Forms. It's not necessarily something Xamarin Forms had done, um, but it was, you know, uh, the, the, way, the tail wagging the dog, as it were. Um, so, but you know, we, if we had had these tests in place, we would have really identified that we have got, we've got an issue here with these combination of factors. If you're doing this version of mono and this version of Android and this version of Xamarin forms, it collides and boom, we've got a performance problem. If you're making heavy use of expressions and, and relative layouts. So good news is moving forward, we're putting things in place to identify those things. Uh, that's great. Um, and so, you know, customer feedback, community feedback on top of um, uh, performance tends to be general quality, you know, want to see less bugs. Um, sometimes it's, hey, this is the bug that's hurting me the most. And then we have to look at that and say, well, how does that compare to all the other bugs that we're tracking? So part of my job as PM 
is going in and looking at Bugzilla, which is our main bug tracking system, and saying, do I know what's in there? <laughs> it's like, I know I've got a number. I've got a number of bugs, but what does it represent? Are they requests? Are they actual issues? What platforms do they apply to? Because with a cross-platform solution like Xamarin Forums, it's a pretty broad spectrum of controls and platforms. So I've been doing a lot of work basically data mining that stuff. And with the team of uh, support engineers, as well as the core engineering team, uh, going in and kind of cataloging everything and saying, what, what are we actually dealing with here? And then what's most important? How do I surface that information? So now I have a suite of reports that I can run to kind of help, again, from a data-driven standpoint, say, these things really are important. We do have a, a bundle of issues here. Let's focus on those things and improve the ent entire platform. So this kind of sounds like, to me, the point where you're saying, you know, those two bugs that you filed the other day, John, those are probably way down on the report right now, right? <laughs> so your issues are super important <laughs> to me. They're, they're, they have a very, they're very close to my heart. Um, and if I Kept can take care of them, place. I can, if I can take care of them quickly, I will certainly do that. Because we need to make sure that the people that are measuring the chemicals in their pools that's right. Have exactly absolutely the best experience. <laughs> Those polar bears, you know, come winter, they're gonna need they're gonna need that. Exactly. exactly. The, the two weeks <laughs> of the year. <laughs> so to jump back a little bit, one of the, the things that you sort of mentioned in passing, I would love to dig into a little bit, where you, you talked about putting some instrumentation into your, your CI process to measure startup time. And that's Measuring startup time is is something that's been it's notoriously tricky to do, right? Because it's until your code is running, you can't start like a stopwatch or something. So I'd be curious, like, what are you what are you guys doing to to approach doing that? Yeah, so I mean, you're always going to have a little bit of overhead that you're going to have to assume is there because if you're if you're timing code from within your application, it, it just is what it is. So uh, we're primarily doing this on test cloud at this point. Um, and while we may not be getting performance, especially when you start talking about performance and how are you performance testing, it just becomes a huge, everybody's got an opinion on this. And my perspective is, uh, perfect is the enemy of good, right? So I'm not going to satisfy everybody with an explanation of how we're doing performance testing, but we're going to do it. And as long as we can see, relatively speaking, the needle moving, we're going to feel good about it or bad about it, depending on which way the needle moves. So right, yeah. um, I guess as long as you're doing the same process each time, you can at least get a trend out of it, right? Exactly. And, and with performance testing, you, you tend to want to, you know, we're going to need to run the same test, you know, five times or whatever the number happens to be to know that we've got confidence. And what does that confidence need to be? You know, is it an 80% confidence? Is it a 90% confidence that's acceptable? Um, it's the same thing with when we talk about stable releases. Uh, when we say stable release, we're not saying, hey, I'm 100% sure this thing's perfect. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. That's, but you that's said it the, was stable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, I mean, honestly, right? Let's 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 be real here. Let's... <laughs> that's not that's not really what it is. What we're saying is we have a, a high degree of confidence, a confidence level that we have become comfortable with and that we feel our community has become comfortable with. Now, when we start hearing feedback from the community that that's not the case, then we need to reevaluate all those things and say, okay, maybe our confidence uh, is higher than it should be. So uh, in terms of, back to the specific question about the CI stuff, 
Um, so I haven't seen exactly how we're testing these things. The, the, the work so far has been more from a framework standpoint, that we're putting this into place. And uh, as we define what pieces of our applications and our samples and things like that that we want to be testing, we're going to be able to track it and report it. Um, which are the key things. And then it's not just tracking reporting, right? It's like, okay, when and where do we turn this number red so that everybody gets an alarm <laughs> and we know we've got a problem? Because, of course, if you have reports that nobody actually looks at, then they're pretty useless. So uh, in, in my testing with, with startup, yeah, I mean, you just look for the earliest position in your application stack that you can actually start a timer uh, to start tracking something. And then... Uh, from a visual standpoint, and, and like I said, I think I mentioned this, we are doing this on test cloud. Um, at, at, you know, when everything is rendered on the screen and we can reasonably say it is, then we're going to take the endpoint and say, okay, we, we, we're going to say this is started. Now, are we going to report to people our startup time is three milliseconds or three seconds or three minutes? That's not really the number that we're looking at. We're looking at percentages of improvement. Right, so we're going to say from this build of our of Xamarin Forms to this build of Xamarin Forms, we've seen a X percent improvement in startup time. Which, because then that really applies more to your application, because John, you know the way you've written your application and how much stuff you're doing at startup and how heavy your UI is is completely different than my applications that I might be building. So that percentage is going to speak more to what you can expect to see. And of course, you know, darn it. Android, man, devices, right? What we have seen, <laughs> oh, yeah. because Test Cloud provides us tons of devices to test on, which is fantastic. So we can run the same app and the same performance test across all these devices. And as you would naturally assume, newer devices and newer versions of Android perform better. It's, it's a pretty standard trend. So I'm I'm curious. Um, obviously, you've done some work in the area of of improving performance already, and and you're working towards sort of the, these metrics behind it. But you know, has there been any sort of big wins that you found along the way, or is this more a game of kind of chipping away at uh, milliseconds here and there? What does you know, what's that look like going forward? Yeah, unfortunately, it is. It's a game of chipping away, um, and it's a lot of deciding. Okay to refactor this to buy us a hundred milliseconds, is that worth it? Um, in terms of the amount of effort we're going to have to put into it. Hopefully at the end of the day, it all piles up in, into significant improvements. Now with 3.0, we're looking to make some fairly significant refactors and changes to the code base to be very forward looking. Um, that means that we're going to do some of the things that have been on the roadmap for a long time, such as deprecating Windows Phone 8 and 8.1, which is pretty much in line with Microsoft. I don't feel like we are taking a chance with that. I know that some of our customers do continue to use those platforms, and 2.3.4 and 2.3.5 will still work for you. But 3.0, uh, they're going to be gone. And uh, while it wouldn't seem like that should make a difference for Android performance, it does. Um, it's going to provide some benefits there. We're also going to be looking at shipping uh, possibly a single DLL as opposed to having multiple assemblies. Because anytime you have to look across assemblies to see if they have custom renderers in it, you're doing reflection. And we don't currently have a good way to say, does this assembly contain custom renderers that we need to know about? 
Um, yeah, so I was going to say, be... like, we, you get into the, the Android, uh, being the maintainer of Android support libraries, I know we've got, you know, tons and tons of those now. So maybe maybe we need to be talking a little bit more, but, you know, that's that's definitely going to be a challenge even more so on Android, I would think. Yeah, yeah, it is. So um, so with 3.0, you know, it is a major point release. Um, you can expect that we're going to be making some fairly significant changes. We are going to do everything we can to make sure that we're adding capabilities to our customers and not breaking them where we uh, don't need to break anybody. Um, but at the same point, we are going to be balancing some very tough decisions about uh, making this platform everything it needs to be. You know, I... Here's my perspective, and I, I'm a PM, right? So I'm very, I'm more visionary, perhaps, um, about what Xamarin Forms needs to be, and this is why I joined. I want Xamarin Forms to be talked about like other platforms when you compare them to to each other, right? I want people to be saying we should do it like Xamarin Forms, as opposed to coming to me and saying, you know, Xamarin Forms should do it like X Y Z platform out there because it's amazing, right? Because it's the new thing they dabbled with for a couple of seconds and those couple of seconds really won them over. My expectation and my plan is that Xamarin Forms continues to grow and mature and become that, where everybody starts to say, you know what, Xamarin Forms might have had some some rough patches. It was kind of usable, but it is so good now. Dude, I wish every other platform would adopt these whatever, you know, um, that, that's my goal, man, I, and I'm not going to back down from that. So um, performance and startup, it may be uh, chipping away at the thing, but hopefully at the end of that we have um, a beautiful ice sculpture, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> sure. Those, for those polar bears. Does that right? work yeah. for you in Canada, ice sculpture? I, I love yeah. it. As long as it's of a polar bear, then we're good. <laughs> oh, then we're good. All right. There you go. So speaking of kind of continuing to move the ball forward and, and, and evolve the framework, you know, if you were historically, if you were creating a new Xamarin Forms app, you had kind of the, the options of either going with a portable class library or a shared code project. Um, but now, you know, everyone's saying, well, PCLs are dead. Everyone, you know, .NET Standard is the new hip, the new future. Um, so what is this, the story around .NET Standard support with Xamarin Forms? So with 2.3.5, we uh, gave you the capability of using Xamarin Forms in .NET Standard projects, um, 1.0 and up. Now, our recommendation right now is to probably go with 1.1. You might be safer. Um, I will. I will freely admit that I have not had the freedom to play with all of these scenarios myself. Um, uh, so your mileage may vary. Give it a try. With uh, 3.0, we are going to be doing more conversion so that we can start working with .NET Standard 2.0. And uh, we have done the analysis on our code base to see what changes we need to make. And we, we kind of know what that workload looks like now. Um, and we're definitely pushing in that direction with 3.0. Now, all these things that I'm saying and plans, it's all etched in jello, right? I mean, yes, this is the direction we're going. And these are the things that I am certainly advocating for within the team and everything. Um, but, uh, you know, there are, there are meetings happening as we speak. Um, which may impact the direction we go. Um, it's not going to be radically different than what I'm outlining and what I'm talking about. And uh, none of it will invalidate that performance and uh, stability quality is core to what we're doing. But when it comes to specific features, um, I'm just saying, this is my, this is my uh, what do you call that? Yeah, my disclaimer. <laughs> because people love to come to me and be like, you promised. And I'm like, whoa. Well, settle down, man. 
Well, now we have it in, in recording. We can always now edit out recording. the part where you're putting the disclaimer in and just come back and say that, you know, you, you could. promised. That would, be, that would be evil. Yeah. So so with with the .NET support, or sorry, .NET standard support stuff, um, does that mean like right now you're kind of doing the the, port, the bait and switch with the actual implementation libraries and when 2.0 hits, you can actually go fully, you know, .NET standard 2.0? Is that kind of the intention? I want to say yes, but I'm probably not the best person to answer exactly how we're doing it. So um, one of the other big things that you guys have been working on and that I'm kind of excited to use in my own app, but just from the perspective of, uh, you know, maybe solving some of those performance problems is this idea of forms embedded or embedding forms into, you know, what we would call a native Xamarin app. Um, what is this? Yeah. So I wish I had a better name for it because I feel like embedding gets used all over the place. Now we've got the embedinator and, and all these other things. <laughs> Which, Just which keep is, adding higher numbers to it. I know, I know. So, uh, yeah, they do, don't they? So, uh, here's what it is. is. You're basically turning the paradigm of how you build your app inside out. So, traditionally, when you're building a Xamarin Forms app, Xamarin Forms is the platform. It is the paradigm upon which you are constructing your application. It controls your navigation, your messaging, your dependency injection, and all of that. With Xamarin Forms embedding, what you're doing is going back to the old days before Xamarin Forms existed and saying, okay, I'm going to use the native platform, which is the most performant, right? Uh, because you get close as close as you can to the metal, and it's always going to be faster. There's no two ways about it. So you're basically going back and saying, okay, now I have a Xamarin iOS and a Xamarin Android app, and I'm going to use Xamarin Forms, but I'm only using it where I want it for the purposes that I want it. So it becomes an asset to you. It becomes a control that you're using or basically a um, conglomeration of controls. So you can take any content page and you can embed it into your Xamarin iOS, Xamarin Android, UWP application, Mac OS application. And it will drive your UI. Now your, your view models, your data binding, um, your messaging center, those things should all still work. Your dependency injection, if you're using Xamarin Forms to manage that, those services are all still there. So, uh, for example, and I, and I have a sample for this that I uh, showed at Build. Again, it was the weather app. <laughs> but uh, essentially, I had an iOS, or I have an iOS, an Android, and a UWP um, app. And I was able to create a custom with the help of the engineering team. Uh, custom page to show my weather history, right? Because it's one thing to grab your weather, but I'm always checking the same places, so I want my history saved. Um, so I wanted to just share that same UI across all of my stuff. And um, I was able to, for example, on iOS in the view controller, you basically, at the time that you want that, that, uh, that page, you say, I need to initialize forms so that it, at least at that point knows what forms is. And then uh, I create my new page. So it was new history page. And then I can use a helper method off of it that says dot create view controller. And the end result, uh, what I get back from that is a view controller I can just push on to my native iOS navigation stack. And uh, there you go. So it's, it's, if you ever use monotouch dialogue back in the day or whatever we called that thing, um, yeah. Which I used the heck out of that. It oh, was yeah. just so convenient I, to quickly We scaffold. still do. <laughs> do you still use it? Oh, that's awesome. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, so it's basically a, a very similar feel to it, right? That uh, you're getting that native bits underneath, um, and you can use that across all those different platforms as you wish, um, but the majority of your 
of your application is probably being driven at that point by the native, by the Xam, what we like to call Xamarin native, or I haven't gotten a better term for it, but the non-form stuff. So this, this kind of sounds like it's a, a big win for, you know, maybe auxiliary screens more so even like a, a setting screen or, um, I know in my app, you know, so like there's one screen where you go and add new test logs. So like all your chemical results and that screen, just from the, the way that it's, you know, it's a form as Xamarin forms mm -hmm. excels at from the sheer number of fields and all of the different data binding calculations and everything that it does, like it would just be a nightmare to have to make on, on each native platform. So like this would be, to me, it sounds like a great place to, to use the forms, uh, embedded stuff. Exactly. And, uh, and, and even if, if you're faced with that decision, as most of us are at the beginning of an application, you, you're starting it up, you've, you've got the file new window in front of you inside of Visual Studio for Mac or Visual Studio you know, 2017, you go file new cross-platform, huh, do I want a forms app or do I want a native cross-platform app? What, do I, what is it that I want to do here? With this, you can kind of start down one path, and it gives you a pretty easy way to transition the other direction if you find that's what you need to do. So uh, you really it reduces the risk almost to nothing. I mean, there's a bit of refactoring, but it really reduces the risk of that decision up front. You can get going much faster. So when when you're embedding you know forms into the native app, when you do that init call, are you doing like are you, are you still incurring all of the same overhead that you would have in a traditional, you know, fully forms baked app? Like my, my use case, for example, is I've got a couple screens on my startup page that are a couple, uh, let's call them view controllers in a tab bar. And, tr you know, traditionally they may have been forms pages within the forms app itself. Am I gaining anything in this case by um, keeping those as, you know, embedded forms pages uh, versus making sure kind of my first initial load of my app is completely native and then pulling in form stuff on top of that. Um, because I think that's where like a lot of users might end up sitting somewhere in there where they're, they're not sure, um, what, where they're saving by, by including this in their app. Right. So, uh, because it's still in preview and because it is, uh, not optimized yet, you're still incurring almost all the same overhead. Now, my hope and desire, and certainly what I think we're striving for, um, is a, is a forms init experience that allows us to opt in and opt out of what it is we actually need. Um, you know, as I mentioned with the, with the forms embedding, as it exists now, the navigation service doesn't fire up. So there's, you know, that that's removed. But let's say that you've already decided, hey, I'm not going to be using custom fonts. I'm not going to be loading any app styles and things like that, um, which with an embedding scenario, your app, you don't, there is no app. Uh, you're just, you're just launching pages. Um, so that overhead is absolutely gone. You don't really have that going on. My hope is that when we release this, um, is that you have a very optimized experience with forms in it and, uh, but 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 my my opinion on that goes across Xamarin Forms embedding all the way to Xamarin Forms 3.0, and I'm saying that hopefully we can architect this in such a way that when you do a Forms init, even with a Forms app, right, you are incurring only the overhead that you absolutely need. 
Um, and, and we're not making those decisions for you. We, we give you a sensible default as to what we think most people are going to use. But if you are in a situation where you need to absolutely fine tune every aspect of that init, or if we can possibly lazy load any of those services for you when you need them on demand, um, then we should do that. Um, and that's something that we've talked about briefly. Now, once we get into the code and, and you know start looking at what it's going to take to actually make that happen, um, decisions will get made. But does that answer your question, John? I think so, yeah. What I should do is turn it back around on you and be like, tell me, John, what would you like to see? Yeah, well, those, those are some of the things. Like, you know, yeah. just just making that uh, forms init as, as low cost as possible, especially right. if we're in a, a native app. So, Yeah, exactly. Cool. So I don't want to, you know, embedding is awesome. Um, I want to dig into one other thing about it. And then we should probably just have a dedicated episode at some point on embedding because there's yeah. so much stuff that we could talk about there. But but just to, to leave it at sort of a high level, um, you know, high level impression on people who might not be might not have seen the demo or, or trying to figure out how this sort of works. Like what is what is a solution look like then where you're embedding a Xamarin, you know, some Xamarin Forms pages in a Xamarin native app. Are these, is your Xamarin Forms stuff in a separate assembly that gets compiled in a different way? Or like, what does that end up looking like? Sure. I mean, you can, you can do it just about any way you want. Um, it works well on a PCL. And that's how we have our, our demo built right now. So we have uh, our iOS, Android, UWP apps, and then we've got a PCL dedicated to Xamarin Forms. And uh, so your solution ends up looking very similar to, the, to what it probably does with a, a Xamarin Forms app. Um, now you can certainly do a shared project as well, and it should work there, um, in which case it's getting compiled into your head applications. Yeah, so, and you can actually, should you really, really want to, you can put your XAML and your forms pieces directly into your iOS or Android app. Let's say that you just have an iOS app and you are a XAML lover. Um, you could actually build your entire app that way and uh, put all your XAML in your iOS app. Hmm. So we, you've talked about you know iOS, UWP, Android, macOS. Mm -hmm. What other platforms is Xamarin Forms on or, or heading to? Right. So uh, we've announced that we are heading to GDK Sharp, which takes you to Linux. And then uh, we have WPF in the works as well. And these are uh, external teams to us that are we're collaborating with, uh, as well as Samsung has been working on Tizen and continues to work on Tizen. So um, we'll often get the question, why are you spending time on, on these platforms? And my response is very simply, um, well, we're kind of not. Um, we, we have, we have other teams that are working on these things, which is wonderful for us because it allows us to focus on things we need to do. We did have some work uh, earlier this year to kind of make the Xamarin Forms code base compliant and easier to use. But now that we're in a really good space with that, uh, it's almost, I don't want to say it's almost trivial. There's work involved, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Typical but, manager. <laughs> I know, right? But we're in a much better place now that uh, as we see other platforms that we want to extend to and that people see a use case for shared UI, we can pretty quickly attack those things. So yeah, uh, WPF, which gets you to the uh, earlier versions of Windows and out of the uh, Windows Store, which is very attractive to a large number of people. And I get asked about it a lot. Um, is looking really good. And I've seen a lot of progress lately on our GDK Sharp team. 
and uh, the work that they've been doing is looking really good. So they're, we're getting very close to having previews available for one, if not both of those. And uh, we'll be eager to hear what people think about it. It's, it's an interesting thing, right? Because they are essentially desktop paradigms. And uh, Xamarin Forms is, as we've already mentioned, mobile-centric. So uh, we're going to need to make some decisions about how we best support people to be able to take their code across all these different platforms. Having written a couple of demos now that I can actually run with UWP and Mac OS and on my iPhone and my Androids, it's pretty stinking awesome. To, to, to get that kind of code reuse. Has that been a tough thing to balance? Like obviously the U- UWP stuff has been there for a while and yeah. UWP is closer to almost like a responsive web sort of approach than it is like classic desktop apps. But as you're getting into Mac OS and, you know, desktop Linux apps and WPF, like that's a, like you said, a totally different paradigm. So does that like shape your conversations differently or your roadmap differently? Um, it certainly raises a lot of uh, new conversations. Um, as a matter of fact, an uh, internal Microsoft team just pinged me earlier this week, and I had a conversation with them before I ta- started talking to you, um, where they have a use case where this applies directly to them. Uh, that's a conversation that never would have happened had we not started exploring these. And, um, you know, I, mean, I think what you see from us uh, in terms of what we are releasing and have done, it's uh, it's a toe in the water, so to speak. To say, hey, you know, okay, we can kind of go in these different directions to these other platforms, and we really need to get that customer feedback and community feedback before we determine how much of an investment we really make in those areas. Um, but, but we've certainly shown that it can be done, which is very exciting. Um, so, you know, one of the other features that you had, I don't know if you talked about it here, but that I've seen posted is the this idea of using like CSS styling in forms. Um, and that's coming back, it sounds like. How how does that work and what exactly are we uh, able to do with that? Yeah, so it's it's an interesting one um, because it, uh, it was uh, put into our Xamarin Evolution uh, forum, which is where we like to take new proposals for uh, features before they end up going to PR status. Um, and we we went in there ourselves and said, okay, we're, we're considering doing flex layout, which we've already got a, a prototype of because one of our developers did it in his, his evening hours. And um, which is an important distinction because that really ruffled some feathers with, with certain people. But then we're also pairing it with a CSS proposal. And uh, it received, and, and the reason we put it out there is we wanted to know what the community and what customers thought of it. And uh, it was it was kind of polarizing, right? Because you're basically taking a, a web technology concept and applying it to application development. And often what you find is that people that have chosen Xamarin, they've chosen it because it's native and because it's not web. And uh, so there are, uh, it, it seems to be one of those features styling in CSS that has been more polarizing than other features in terms of you got people that are fans and other people that are completely disgusted that you would ever entertain using a technology that is not part of what they consider to be sane. Um, and the, the thing is, is we want to use technologies and concepts to, the, to their fullest potential wherever they came from. Um, when we, I was having a conversation with somebody uh, just the other day about uh, web views and the use of web views within a native application, and I made the point that it, it's a native control, right? UI web view and I, it's a native control. Yes, what you load into it could, could be, you know, 
considered web stack technology, whatever. But it, it is, you know, there's it's not a sin to use a web view <laughs> inside of your application. It's totally fine. And I think we need to be okay with that and have a broader perspective that these things are cool. So all of that, that's not that's totally not what you were asking about. But <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like the conversation always ends up being there. Not not necessarily from you, but within the community and the people that are probably listening. Um, so I kind of wanted to, to share that perspective. So in terms of what we uh, have done and will be doing with CSS, it's not something that's front burner for us right now. Um, and we've done basically a spike on it in the past to say what, what level of uh, selectors and how might this look and what can we do with it and how does it benefit us and, and that sort of thing. So we've got a branch that is not up on GitHub right now um, because it's very much a spike uh, just to see what could be done. Uh, hopefully we'll have that in a pre-release status <clears throat> as we get closer to 3.0. Um, but essentially you'd be able to, and it's your choice, you don't have to use CSS, but if you wanted to style your application with XAML as you do today, you certainly can do that and you can continue to express your styles that way. Um, or you can use CSS as the language of choice. Um, it would create a little bit more flexibility, we think, in terms of theming applications, um, as well as, again, the, you know, the inheritance, the selectors, and the things like that, that uh, if we are able to execute and support all those things, which we think we can, um, could be very flexible and useful for people. Um, it's certainly something that I'm attracted to, uh, given my history using... Um, MXML and Adobe Flex, which is the markup language there. And they had their CSS-like styling. Um, I have some opinions on how I think it could be well executed and what I didn't like about how that was executed. Um, so we'll see how it goes. But uh, again, it's been a polarizing topic. So I'm interested to see once we actually have something out there and put it in people's hands, um, how they'll feel about it. If nothing else, it gives me the opportunity to to say, Hey guys, <laughs> use it or don't use it. It's okay. You know, we're here for you. We're, we want to support you and to help you do more. Um, it is by no means a, a pet project that we're just doing for no reason. We certainly have received a lot of interest from people in um, the ability to more easily, more strongly do this. Um, so we'll see, we'll see how it progresses um, until we get to a, a preview state. Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, using uh, you know, what you were talking about before of, you know, ruffled feathers and, you know, classic opinions and all that stuff as a jumping off point. One of the other things I wanted to make sure we we brought up was the whole XAML standard thing that was announced at Build this year. Yeah. Um, so can you just give like a high level overview of like what is XAML standard and where is where is that going? So the what is XAML standard question is really interesting because... Um, what I think it is and what the community thinks it is and what the community wants it to be um, are, are all very different things. So what we announced or what was announced at Build um, was uh, a XAML standard is a uh, basically an asset specification to say you can start now defining XAML by a spec, the XAML standard, and as long as you have adhered to that spec, that same XAML will work in all the platforms that support it. So if UWP implements XAML standard, that XAML will work there. What you end up with though, once you look at this, is a, um, is, is a, is a pretty limited specification of XAML. And so it benefits really people who 
are highly motivated to share XAML across different platforms. For Xamarin Forms developers who are building Xamarin iOS, Xamarin Android applications with Xamarin Forms, uh, it doesn't doesn't bring you anything new or anything extra. It doesn't benefit you per se. We're not bringing you new functionality because um, it's it's basically a language specification is what it is as it's defined right now. So now having said all of that, and and that's what was announced. And I think Miguel's example uh, in explaining it was really good. It's basically like a PNG. PNG is an image specification. As long as your image is a PNG format and your application knows how to render a PNG, you're good to go. You can use PNGs on that platform. Same thing with XAML standard. If your XAML adheres to that language specification, it'll work. Now, what it does on each platform has to be uh, implemented by that platform because not every platform has the same naming the same concepts. Now, uh, a GitHub was put up with the specification on it, and conversation has been pretty active on there in terms of what people think was said and what people want to see from a XAML standard. So where we stand right now is that uh, we as the XAML standard team which is a combination of Xamarin staff and uh, UWP Windows Group staff. Um, and and I mean, it pretty much goes almost all the way up. Everybody's got a vested interest in what this thing ends up being. Is reviewing that feedback and saying, okay, what are we hearing from, from customers and from the community? Um, is what we defined and where we're heading where we really need to go? And if not, where do we need to be? Um, so we, we, it's, been, it's been really an interesting exercise in terms of uh, once you join Microsoft and you say something openly, people take it with a much, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like a bigger deal. Like if I were online tweeting something, I'm like, you know, whatever. It's like, okay, Dave said that. But when you are speaking and you work for Microsoft, it's a whole different deal. So we've been participating or at least following along with the conversation on the GitHub forums. And we've been meeting regularly to, to talk about it and to decide what we need to do. But it's very hard to kind of step in and say what our opinions are without kind of st steering the conversation and, and tainting it. So yeah. So basically where it stands right now is that uh, the XAML standard is a language specification. It's being discussed on GitHub. We are closely monitoring and watching that feedback and engaging where we can. And I think very soon we will have a revised kind of um, vision of, okay, based on your feedback, here's where we think we need to go with this stuff. Um, but I will reiterate, from a Xamarin Forms standpoint, if you are building Xamarin Forms applications and targeting mobile, it um, unless you are needing to be on all those other platforms with the same XAML, it may not really be that interesting to you. So you mentioned that a lot of this conversation is happening in GitHub issues there. Like, is that, you know, for anyone listening that wants to kind of participate or follow along with a lot of stuff, like, is that the best place to go? Are there other means to, to get involved and be part of a conversation or even just eavesdrop? Right. So in terms of uh, being involved with the conversation for XAML standard, that is absolutely the place to be. Um, in terms of being involved with conversation for Xamarin Forms and the future future of Xamarin Forms, it's the uh, Xamarin Forums. So we have a Xamarin Forums section there of the forums. Um, we also have the evolution section of the forums, which again is for proposals for features that you'd like to see done um, or features that you would like to grab and say, I'll take that, I'll do that. 
uh, or collaborate with somebody else on it. You can certainly do that. Um, and then uh, Bugzilla for bug tracking, and then GitHub PRs for bug fix PRs, feature PRs, or just commenting on PRs. Um, it's kind of all the different channels that we monitor regularly. You can always tweet at me. Um, I'll reply when I can. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So I mean, before we wrap up, is there anything that you wanted to make sure that you know, to, to call out for people listening that, that we didn't cover yet other than, you know, go check out all those forums and stuff and, and participate. I mean, I would just, you know, reiterate the invitation for people to reach out because again, um, your feedback, community feedback, everybody's feedback is, uh, taken to heart and weighed with everything else. And it really does make an impact when I can go, uh, to our teams and advocate with actual stories and fact. Um, it just, it's so much better and it speaks so much more loudly. And uh, I can say from my experience now, let's see, it's, yeah, so I've been doing this for six months. Um, it really has made an impact. Um, the quality of the product is getting better. The performance has improved. Um, it will continue to improve. Uh, the features uh, look to be the right features that we're going to be implementing. And all of that is due to um, really good community relationship. And so please keep being involved, keep speaking. Um, it is making a difference. And uh, man, only great things ahead. That's awesome. Well, Dave, uh, sorry it took so long to get you on the show. Uh, we'll have you back and we'll make up for it in, in future episodes, you must, I'm sure. But you must. <laughs> <laughs> we shall. We shall. There's so much more we could have dug into, but uh, you know, we may as well get multiple episodes out of it. But, but thanks for, for chatting. This was awesome. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Anytime. So you know, thanks again for everyone for listening, and we'll see you next time on Gone Mobile.